0: Hi, this is
1: Robert Schuller with Melissa's Produce, and you're listening in on Cord, Vines,
2: and do. Hey! Good,
1: good afternoon. <laughs> happy Mother's Day.
2: Thank you. Happy Happy Mother's Day, Tom.
1: <laughs> happy Mama Cat's Day.
2: Actually, when it's Father's Day, I will wish you happy Father's Day from your kitties.
1: That's right. I, am a, I have fur babies.
2: You have your fur
1: babies, but.
2: Anyway, we had a nice brunch this morning.
1: Wasn't that good? Mm, mm, mm. Like
2: my eggs, Benedict?
1: Divine. Thank you.
2: I used the um, Julia Child hollandaise. The easy uh, hollandaise.
1: I think I saw Julia Child's name in one of our Game of Food questions. So We may be talking about her a little deeper into the show. So we have some uh, interesting guests this week. uh, Hank Quentz. Hank lives in New Jersey, and you can hear it from about the first sentence out of his mouth, and uh, he's an author. He switched from uh, writing fiction, fantasy, and science fiction to nonfiction, and he also teaches creative writing, and uh, he sent me one of his whiteboards. He's going to talk about his whiteboards, and it's just fascinating how he structures things so you can get the different elements into a story.
2: And he's a lecturer, too. He
1: is. He's an interesting guy, and he's a Barry. new Very. I enjoyed an, that. I he's really an, enjoyed her. He's a new friend.
2: New friend. I like new
1: friends. We've been conversing via email.
2: Very nice. Very nice. And then we also have... Uh,
1: Aloha. KP. That's right.
2: Who we met through our friend Jim.
1: At the Coconut Cafe in that Temecula. the
2: Coconut Cafe. I feel like it should be a song in there. Maybe <laughs> Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy
1: Buffett needs to write that.
2: I have to tell uh, him.
1: Wasn't that food good at Dark Coconut Cafe?
2: Yes, yes. Braden uh, had the the um, chicken
1: mm-hmm. teriyaki, and I had the seafood platter.
2: And he loved. I, that was his first time having a chicken teriyaki. He ate the whole thing. He inhaled it. He really did. And and Ty had the uh, poke bowl. Yep. And um, and I had water.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. No,
2: I had bites of everybody else's. Yeah, that's good. So, oh, and those little little thingers at the... The, the, thingers, the, the thingers.
1: Oh, the donut thingers. Yeah,
2: uh, What were they called? I don't
1: remember the name, but we'll look it up and...
2: Yeah, those were so good.
1: I think they're originally Portuguese, aren't they? And then they yeah. brought them to the islands.
2: And uh, sometimes they're filled.
1: Sometimes they have a hole, sometimes they don't.
2: Oh, I didn't read that about the hole. Mm. I thought they were mm. just all one whole thing. Anyway, but they were good, very good. So but anyway, yeah, we met KP. What a, what a nice guy!
1: Nice guy, and what a talent!
2: And he's just really starting. He's yeah. got a goal ahead, and he's got. Um, as I said, he's originally from Torrance. As I said, that that very uh, tropical yeah,
1: guess, yeah. <laughs> resort, the, the island paradise of Torrance. <laughs> And then finally, we're going to uh, revisit uh, Robert Schuler from Melissa's Produce. We had a great visit with him a few months ago, so we'll go uh, dig that out of the archives and share that.
2: And um, it sounds good to me.
1: Okay. Should we get on to our interview with Hank Quince?
2: Let's get on with Hank.
1: Well, Kat, I'm excited about our next guest. We've got Hank Quince on the phone. And, uh, Hank, you're in New Jersey, correct?
3: Yes, I am, about 30 miles from Manhattan.
1: Wonderful. There's. Uh, I. I. I have a feeling that your weather might be a little warmer than ours right now. It's been uh, in the fifties all day.
3: Uh, well, well, we made seventy today. Very nice, beautiful day.
1: Uh, we're we're looking forward to. I wouldn't say looking forward. We're expecting nineties over the weekend.
3: Oh, that's a change. <laughs>
1: yeah. it's been a roller coaster this winter. Yeah. I see. Are you that- in California? You we're in uh, Southern California, kind of between uh, LA and San Diego.
3: Oh yeah, you guys are having a real roller coaster of weather.
1: It's been nuts.
2: A <laughs> little crazy out here. My flowers don't know whether to bloom or fall apart. <laughs> yeah, i
1: doing a little beach. Yeah, exactly. So Hank, you've been a writer for, uh, for decades, right?
3: Yes, over 20 years. I think about 25.
1: Then recently you made a switch from uh, fantasy and uh, sci-fi to uh, non-fiction. You've been uh, writing non-fiction for the past several years.
3: I am, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, mostly, uh, well, not mostly, but you know, I write about fiction writing and uh, self-publishing, book marketing, the author business. I also lecture on those things. I used to do it a lot in uh, schools and uh uh, libraries until COVID put an end to that. And I haven't really got started to back into it. I've been doing some webinars,
1: that's all. Well, COVID yeah,
3: changed. Just fiction.
1: COVID changed the world, didn't it?
3: Yes, it did. It really did.
1: So you have a, a new project called the Writers and Authors Resource Center, which is uh, writersarc.com. Um, it's your nonfiction solution to pain points that writers encounter. Uh, fiction writers, Uh self-publishers, and book marketers. Tell us a little bit more about Writer's Arc.
3: Well, I started it a couple of years ago. It's uh, when I really, I was writing nonfiction. I was writing quite a lot of it, uh, besides books and writing articles. And I needed some place to, you know, just host this stuff. So I had a previous website that was mostly uh, fiction. So I started this to, uh, you know, to, as a place to house all my nonfiction stuff and give people you know a chance to to look into some of this stuff. How's so that's the, the long and short of it.
1: How's the response been, Hank?
3: Um, a little muted. <laughs> I have this big problem of unknown. Well, oh, so that's uh, you know, like my reach isn't what I would like it to be. Well, this will well, help,
1: though. Hopefully, we can help with that. That's that's why yeah. we're why we're talking right now. Yeah. Um, going back, I'm, I'm curious about your fantasy and, and science fiction work. Uh, tell me a, about some of your, a few of your, your fiction books. Future books? Uh, fiction, your fiction books.
3: Yeah, oh, uh, my, my, the ones that, oh, I uh, created two worlds. One for fantasy creatures and one for uh, science fiction aliens. <laughs> and uh, to make things easy on my end, I set these both in, Parallel universes uh, so that uh, you know I don't have to explain a lot of stuff you know that, that, <laughs> that, they're not going stuff does not happen on earth, you know our world It's in a completely different world and readers understand that so they don't ask a lot of questions that they would ask if I wrote about stories being in New York City or Southern California. I would definitely ask questions about that, but they <laughs> don't ask them if they know it's in a parallel universe.
1: Well, you set that up from the start, and then so people know going in. Okay, this is not uh, not new. It's not the Bronx. That's right.
3: Yes, I did. I startled out that
1: one. And uh, you are you're coaching uh, inexperienced uh, self-publishing authors and authors who need uh, book marketing basics, and you do that online, and and you also do it. Uh, on uh, and, uh, Zoom call, on,
4: yeah,
3: mostly online, mostly through Zoom. Uh huh. Although you know, if they're local, I can uh, uh, we can do it in person. But generally, it's a bit of a distance.
1: And you've got some videos out there. Could you tell tell us about those? The uh, well, I got two sets
3: of videos. I got the I got my own YouTube channel uh, on Hank H A N Q U E mm-hmm. dot. H uh, A N Q U E ninety nine, and I also have a, a series of eight or nine classes on Udemy.
1: You, They're, I'm uh, not familiar with Udemy.
3: It's a it's a big teaching uh, site, very big. I think it's global, and they uh, they sell video classes there on almost any subject you can think of. It's uh, mind boggling, you know. And you, you go go there and uh, just search, you know, for. Subjects they cover, God, they must cover everything in the world. They have classes on it.
1: Have you dabbled at all in AI, Hank? Artificial intelligence that's really uh, kind of up and coming.
3: Yes, I did. I had done a little bit with it. I, uh, a a couple sites that I work on or you know use that had explained that they had now have AI, so I gave it a test and it was one of them failed miserably. I asked them to to write my biography, and I was stunned to learn I have a master's degree in uh, electrical (laughs) engineering from a college (laughs) that I didn't go to. (laughs) That's what I got around. Another one was uh, I tried Canva. That wasn't bad. I got some articles I could write, actually, from the stuff I got from Canva. And another one is uh, complexity, I think, it's called. They're very good. They give you advice on... uh, you know, they do the same thing. They pull stuff from the web, but this one gives you where it came from. They give you the link on where well they found the stuff on the on the, uh, on the on the internet. So that's very useful to find out where the stuff came from. The articles are much better than the AI stuff.
1: It's interesting. I'm beta testing. Um, uh, I'm, I'm under a, an NDA. I can't disclose, but I am beta testing an AI program. And it, it sometimes it just makes stuff up. It's crazy. I'll, I'll ask for a <laughs> yeah. list of restaurants. And it will give me, in, in a specific area, and it will give me a list of restaurants that are 50, 100 miles away. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah. I correct it. I say, no, that, that's not right. And it'll go, oh, thank you. I'll, I'll make sure to yeah. make note of that.
3: Yeah. I think AI will have a big problem writing stories, at least initially, because it's, it's a robot. And stories depend upon having an emotional arc. And I don't see... AI having an emotional arc ability
1: yet. Yet. I Maybe think it will yet, someday,
3: but I don't think it does right now. And I don't think it will in the near
1: future. Yeah. I think the key word is yet. I think uh, it's coming. <laughs> and Kat, I know I you had know. something you wanted
2: to Well, I was gonna ask about his book. Your first book was that was uh Zaftin Entrepreneurs that? Yes. Yeah. and it was a trilogy. And I thought yes. kind of fascinating the concept on your on the first one, where um, <laughs> it it says, well, is it you're on a uh, mining ship? Discovers a planet that holds promise to be a mining bonanza. Unfortunately, it's inhabited by humans, dwarfs, elves, and other races, and object to the mining expeditions." <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, i uh, uh, I unpublished that a few years ago for some reason I can't remember why, but I'm just about to republish it. And uh, truth be told, I never wrote the third book in the trilogy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, when you republish, I'd love to read it.
3: Well, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to republish it. And uh, I, I'm getting new covers. I should have those shortly. As so, if as I get new covers, I'm going to uh, republish it. First <laughs> both of them Zafton Entrepreneurs and Zafton uh, uh, Miscreants.
1: Well, that's wonderful. I did have a
3: storyline for the third one, but I never wrote it. I kind of uh, lost my enthusiasm for writing fiction, so I went for nonfiction.
1: Do you do you plan on writing any more fiction in the future, or do you think you're going to stick with nonfiction?
3: I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no, but um, I really don't have any enthusiasm for doing it. Yeah, it's, I, don't know, I don't know, I think it just matured, you know, it just evolved.
1: It's, it's tough when the, uh, when the spirit isn't there when, and when you just don't have the, it's just the heart isn't in it.
3: Yeah, and I know, and I did, I, without the enthusiasm, I did write a couple stories and they were really bad. So I, I really just lost it. I, I might be able to get it back someday, but uh, not in the near future.
1: So what else is what else is on the uh, calendar for you, Hank? What else do you have going on?
3: Um, uh, I love to get new challenges. I love to try new things. So I'm coming up with an alternative to a book. I'm taking the topic of publishing and marketing, and instead of writing another book, I'm writing a series of whiteboards. Aha! Uh-huh. That uh, will cover the whole thing. There's four of them involved in it. Uh, one is getting started, and the one about the author business, and then about uh, publishing, both traditional and self-publishing, and then book marketing. And these things, I'm almost done with them. They're rather large, but they cover all the information that would be in a book, plus you got videos, plus you got audios, and you got downloads like spreadsheets and uh, PDF files and eBooks. So it's it's uh, it's it's I'm quite excited about it. It's it's a challenge to do it, but I'm I, getting pretty close to it, and it's it's pretty
1: awesome looking. Uh, it sounds fascinating, I, and I know that you uh, are warning uh, people that there are some scams out there. What, what are some of the scams you've seen, Hank?
3: I ran into one a long time ago, but some a woman that I knew asked me in an email I said, do "You do you use this site? Do you sell books on this site?" So I looked at it. And I looked it up, and it was really a gorgeous-looking site. They had a lot of books on it. The deal was that you sent them a PDF, and they put it on their site, and they sell it. And you, if they sell it, you get seventy percent, which is what uh, Kindle gives you. You know, so it looked pretty good. But then I read the fine print. Fine print says they don't distribute royalties until you collect a hundred dollars worth of royalties.
5: <laughs> <laughs> you know, so
3: if you're selling a book for two ninety-nine, you get two bucks for a book, and you sell three or four books a year. Yeah, you're, you're going to die of old age before you get a hundred dollars in royalties.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they keep your money. That's right, And the
3: other thing was, they cost you a hundred dollars a year to put your book up on the website.
2: Oh my god.
1: Well, that sounds like and a lose-lose. I, I,
3: I was once I read that I, I was stunned because there were so many books on this site. So don't these people read the fine print?
1: Apparently not. Yeah. What
2: a, that is a scam.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, I don't think
1: the site is around. I think they took the money and ran. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, Hank, I want to thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure uh, visiting with you.
3: Yeah, this, this was fun. Well, we like to, really enjoyed
1: it. Thank you. We we like to have fun. We we say if you aren't having fun, you are doing it wrong. That's right.
3: Well, you should be doing something else. That's right. Hey,
2: uh, one other thing, Hank. Hey, what um, age group do you kind of gear your books towards most? Is it good for like?
3: I, I I think that you know, teenagers, all the way up to old Foggies. I think it goes the whole gamut. I think it's. I don't think it's age as much as it's people who have a sense of humor. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, and uh, my my sense of humor is kind of weird. So you know, you gotta have you gotta appreciate the humor. But then that's all ages.
1: I I knew I liked you, Hank. Well, thank you so much for being our guests. And our guest, uh, and uh, it's been a joy talking with you.
2: And where can people okay, find your you. books?
1: Oh, wait a second.
2: Where can people find your books? Amazon. Amazon. Okay. And that's if you Hank.
3: Search for my name; there's about twenty five of them up there.
1: Hank Quince. Q U E N S E. Correct. All right. That was Hank Quince. On cords, vines, and dines. Uh, What a fascinating guy. And uh, if you recall during the interview, we spoke a little bit about AI. And uh, I can't go into details because of a non-disclosure agreement, but I'm beta testing AI for a company that's uh, got it in beta. And um, one of the things that Hank said was, uh, AI can't write a good story because it doesn't have emotions and you need an emotional arc. So I wrote to AI. I said... um, exactly that and ai said i told um let's see here we go i can see where your author friend is coming from after all emotions are a big part of what makes stories so compelling they help us connect with the characters on a deeper level and feel what they're feeling without emotions stories can feel flat and lifeless however i believe this is ai talking i believe that ai is capable of writing good stories with emotional arcs in fact I think it's only a matter of time before AI writers are able to produce stories that are just as emotionally engaging as those written by humans. And then it goes on to three uh, bullet points of why. And here's Hank's response. Yeah, AI probably will get to a point where it can write an emotional arc in a story. Do I want to read such an AI story? Probably not. I'd rather read a story written by a human, not a machine. I guess I'm biased.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love Hank. Yeah. I got a little bit of movie trivia here. Mm. Well, actually, it's really kind of an easy one. But, all right. Lay it on me. Um, okay. This is a very easy question. Okay. What movie, was the lines, will always have Paris and here's looking at you, kid? Casablanca. Of course. Did you know that those lines are the most quotable few minutes of all cinema? As Rick prepares to say goodbye to Elsa... We get to experience You'll Regret It, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. We'll always have Paris, and here's looking at you, bringing tears to the eyes of moviegoers for generations. Yep. Uh, Here's looking at you, kid, was voted the number five movie quote by the American Film Institute. Wow, number
1: five. I'd love to know what one through four are.
2: Probably something dirty, you know, from The Godfather. <laughs> oh, probably
1: Gone with the Wind. I would mention. Oh, yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Frankly, Scarlet, I don't give a damn. I
2: would think that would be right up at the top. Yep. I remember seeing that movie in the theater. Yeah. And we're going to
1: need a bigger boat from Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I know when Rhett said that to Scarlet, I yeah. went, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Everyone did. Yeah, it shocked me.
1: Well, what do you think? Should we go into our visit with KP
2: yeah, it's a, not a real long interview, no, but it was very nice uh, and very informative. And we look forward to having uh, KP on again. We're going to be following his career. He's He's got a a huge road ahead of him, and he's going to fill it all up. I can just feel him.
1: So when he does his record release, we're going to get him back on the show and play some more of his music.
2: Yep. Go to his concerts. Yep. He's, he wants to tour. He should. He should, and he will. And I know he's got Jim and... His wife backing him up and helping him along and it'll
4: work.
1: Okay, so here we are. Here's KP on Cords Vines and Dines. Thank you. Thank you. I just
4: wanted you guys to hear something special.
1: Well,
2: well,
4: you delivered. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys. Jim, it's been a long time and I was so
2: glad that you contacted me about coming out here.
4: I know. It's, It's such an exciting thing for me to do because we're doing big venues, and I forgot what it's like to find new kids. So for me, this has been like a dream. And then to find this guy is beyond words. So where did you find him? <laughs> well, that's uh, in the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> One of our cooks. I said, guys, you're Polynesians. you got to know someone that sings. I need to find new artists to play here. And the guy's comment was, "I know a guy that kind of sings." <laughs>
2: <laughs> kind of.
4: And then he played this. And my, I'm sorry, you haven't heard this. The first thing I hear is this incredible, simplistic guitar work, starting. I'm like somebody gets it. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. My thought was, well, if the guy can't sing, whoever's playing guitar, i got to find out who it is. And then he starts singing, and I'm like, this is, I mean, it was, we call it chicken skin, it's goosebumps. Yeah, right. right. And the second he started singing.
2: So, KP, where, where are you from originally?
4: Well, uh,
6: Torrance, California.
2: Torrance? Yeah. Oh, there. that good old... Polynesian
6: area in California. Torrance, Carson, Long Beach. You know where we stay. If you're, if you're in Southern California, especially near the near the ocean, and you live you, in one of those three cities.
2: I, I moved from Redondo Beach, so I know the I'm area. I'm right down the street. Right. I'm right down the street.
1: Yet oh. you're wearing a Steelers jersey and I'm hat.
2: Huge
6: <laughs> Steelers fan. <laughs> All my other family, they, they're Raider fans and Niner fans. Um, me and my brother are Steelers fans. All right. Yeah.
2: So how did you get started playing?
6: Oh, I was young. I, I started ever since I can remember um, Started singing in church, uh, did that, and then, you know, started doing uh, talent shows in elementary school, leading up to middle school, going to high school. So uh, I had an aunt that would sing, and I was always with her. She would babysit us as as kids, and um, I just picked it up. You know, she started singing, and she was like, hey, try singing this or try singing that. And then so it was all imitation from there, and then I grew up and ended up loving, you know, singing, especially in front of, like, crowds and people. You know the, the feeling of being on stage is pretty incredible
1: in the so, church did you do any gospel or so yeah
6: it's was like gospel music um i actually played guitar you know for church i started on guitar before i even sang i sang for maybe a year in, in church and then um went through life fell out of that you know um i was kind of the kid that went left both my parents are law enforcement well they're retired now but i was i was a kid that went this way and uh, you know, had to figure out, you know, the things that I went through. Came back to church. And now I'm doing it back at church now. There you and go. Now full I'm circle. Yeah, full that's circle. Great.
2: So what? <clears throat> excuse me. What's What's in store for you in the future? What do you What do you want to do? I want to tour.
6: That's my goal. I, I want to make music and I want to tour. Uh, that's always been a dream of mine ever since I was a kid. Um, it wasn't really about you know living the the big life like millionaire life. It wasn't about the money or any of that. I've seen, I've, I've played with a bunch of artists and I even have family members that are artists and just to see the places they travel and get to share their music um, and their journey through their music while out there is, is, is pretty incredible. All the pictures and videos that I see of the crowds and stuff like that, that that's ultimately what I wanna do. And do you, do
2: you write your own music?
6: I do, I do write my own music. Um, I do have a single that, I, that I'm going to release pretty soon. Um, it'll be anywhere you can find music, Apple, Spotify, things like that.
1: Just like our show.
6: Just like <laughs> your show, exactly.
2: And we can find you just with the initials KP.
6: KP310 on, on YouTube and then KP underscore
1: 310 on Instagram. I think. Okay.
2: Well, thank you, Jim, for introducing us. Well, before we, thank
1: you. before we say goodbye, tell us a little bit more about the Coconut Cafe. I've never been here, and I, it won't be my last visit.
4: Well, thank you. Um, there are two amazing people from Oahu. He's a uh, disabled vet. Uh, she is the face of Aloha. Mm. It's the only way to describe okay. it. I have never seen that woman not smile, and it carries on with the food. Uh, a lot of my artists... Uh, from Hawaii come here and they said it's, it's good if not better than home Wow um, and and one artist in particular is like he comes here and he just plays uh, we were here for the Grammys and three of us came over here two nights before and just played. How fun. It's, I mean it's, we all started to do that and we forget our paths kind of go crazy and you forget about how much fun it is to come in here and play and see people's faces and um, the food is incredible the people here are incredible and I want to make this someplace where we share the culture of Hawaii and Polynesia Uh, like we're doing laymaking one night here um, organizing people from the islands to reconnect and that hopefully that's what we're going to accomplish here
1: well it's been a pleasure
5: you come around me I get weak oh yes and nobody ever made me feel this way yes you kiss my lips and then you take my breath away yes so I want to know I want to know what turns you on I can be the only one who makes you smile Girl, he never understood what you were worth No And he never took the time to make it work No Baby, I'm the kind of man who shows concern Yes, I do that I can please you let me learn so I want to know I want to know what turns you on I want to know so I can be all that and more I'd like to know I'd like to know what makes you cry so I can be the one who always makes you smile. Tell me what I gotta do to please you, baby. Anything you say, I'll do. Cause I only wanna make you happy. From the bottom of my heart, it's true. Tell me what I gotta do to please you, baby. Anything you say, I'll do. Cause I only wanna make you happy. From the bottom of my heart, it's true Tell me what I gotta do to please you Baby, anything you say, I'll do Cause I only wanna make you happy From the bottom of my heart, it's true Tell me what I gotta do to please you Baby, anything you say, I'll do Cause I only want to make you happy From the bottom of my heart issue.
2: Hi, this is Martha Davis from The Motels and you're listening to 10 Temecula Entertainment
1: Network. What a talent. KP on cords, vines, and dines. What do you think, Kat?
2: Oh, yes. And such a nice guy.
1: Super nice guy.
2: Super, super nice.
1: Before we have our little visit with uh, with Robert Schuler again. Oh, by the way, Melissa's is the official produce sponsor of Cords, Vines, and Dines. That's melissas.com. Uh, and I'm going to put your uh, feet to the fire, Cat. You need to pick a recipe.
2: I know. I've been busy cooking for my uh, right. my vendor event that I had yesterday at, okay. it, at Awonga. And um, so now I'll get back to thinking fun things.
1: Okay, good, because I want to find out what you want to prepare and I want to write to Robert so we can get the ingredients from Melissa's. Okay. Before we uh, go to our visit with Robert, why don't you pick uh, two cards, any two cards. Any two cards. And we'll play the game of food. So what are you starting me on?
2: Ingredients. Okay. Okay, this thick, ultra creamy fermented dairy product is a popular condiment spread and side dish throughout the Balkans. Okay. Is it A, uh, Kajmak, K-A-J-M-A-K? B, Clotted Cream, C, Labneh, L-A-B-N-E-H, or D, Kumis, K-U-M-I-S?
1: Boy, that's a total shot in the <laughs> <Yeah. time. laughs> I'll go with A. I have no idea.
2: Oh, God, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. God! Even when you don't know, you know. I mean, it's like...
1: For you, I have cooking tools and techniques. This Japanese clay pot is used to make all kinds of soups, stews, hot pots, and rice dishes. Is it A, a tagine, B, a donabe, C, a dol-sot, or D, a (laughs) kadava? Japanese clay pot.
2: I'll go with C.
1: Dolsot. It is B, donabe.
2: Oh, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, my turn.
2: Okay, uh, regional dishes. This chewy, starchy mass of mashed plantains, ca- cassava, or yams is a staple carb in West Africa that accompanies soups and stews. Is it A. Jolof, J-O-L-L-O-F? B. Mofongo, M-O-F-O-N-G-O? C. Foo-Foo, Fufu, F-U-F-U?
4: <laughs> okay, fine. Or
2: D. Thiebault, Cy- D-J-E-N-N-E. C. Fufu. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Did you know that, or was that a guess?
1: Uh, I kind of knew it. People and pop culture for you, oh, Mama Cat. Speaking Julia of, Child. Yes, it is. <laughs> in, according to her, you must have the courage of your convictions to flip this floppy food in a skillet. Is it A, a Spanish omelet, B, a potato pancake, C, eggs over easy, or D, crepes? What was
2: we repeat the question? Shoot sure,
1: up. Uh, you must have the courage of your convictions to flip this floppy food in a skillet.
2: Um, crepes.
1: <clears throat> no? Potato pancakes.
2: I wouldn't th- Oh.
1: You're going to argue with Julia?
2: No. But she's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I... Well, I can do crepes. Actually, I don't flip... You don't flip crepes, really.
1: I've been flipping omelets lately, and I'm getting... Fairly good at it.
2: You toss it in the air with the pan and yeah. flip it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, we have to video that.
1: Okay, deal.
2: We'll do that.
1: All right. Let's go on to our encore presentation of our uh, visit with Robert Schuler, who's the uh spokesman, uh, the head of uh, public relations guy for Melissa's Produce. Melissa's dot com is our official produce sponsor.
2: He is so knowledgeable. Ah,
1: amazing.
2: I mean, he can just—you mentioned a fruit or. He just tells you all about it, the whole history behind it, where it comes from.
1: What the season is for it.
2: As you can tell in the interview when we talked about dragon fruit. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's go on to Robert.
1: I am so excited and happy to have Robert Schuler from Melissa's Produce as a guest on Cords, Vines, and Dines. Kat, you and I have known Robert for a few years now. I think I've known him a, maybe a little bit longer, but uh, welcome, Robert. Hey, thank you
2: hi robert i i'm just absolutely loving the fruit that you sent us this last week and i've got so many questions the, the mangosteens number 1 wow. oh my gosh
0: yes the mangosteens if you didn't know they are the queen of the fruit in in the in the in the fruit world here um they're they're not named uh mangosteen uh uh, because it is it is actually not related to the mango. And I always get that question. Mangosteen like mango? No, totally different. But it is also called the queen of fruits. The reason for that is because uh, the queen Victoria in England uh, tried mangosteen that were brought in from Asia and it became her favorite fruit. And that's how it became what it is today most people who have ever tried a mangosteen most have agreed that it's one of the best if not the best tasting fruit that is available to us in the world they are a purple fruit kind of about the size of a a good size tomato it has a purple leather skin but when you break it open or cut it open inside is a white segmented fruit and the flavor profiles, well, Kat and Tom, you guys can talk about what are the flavors that you're tasting when you enjoy a mango steam.
1: Well, like you said, it's creamy, it's very okay. sweet. Uh, there's almost to me a little citrus hint to it. Uh, maybe a, a berry. Um, uh, Kat, what do you think?
2: I don't, I don't know if I get the berry, maybe I get more citrusy. Um,
1: I get like.
0: Pineapple, mm-hmm. peach, yes. melon, but it's so unusual because, you know, there's very few fruits that are white. The only other white flesh fruits are like um, lychees. And it does have a quality similar to a lychee, rambutan, and a longan. And those are few of the other fruits that are white flesh. But obviously, being a fruit, it contains. Uh, one to three little seeds on the inside, but it's just a unusual fruit. But in Asia, in, uh, in, in Mexico and South America, it's very well known. And it's just one of those fruits that we now have available. It wasn't until about 10 years ago that they actually became available to distribute into the United States. So all that time, we never got to experience uh, the mangosteen. And now we do, and they're delicious, and our company, Melissa's Produce, uh, we distribute them um, all over the United States there.
1: Wow. And is it available year-round, or what's the season for a mangosteen?
0: It is uh, typically almost year-round. I'd like to say about nine to 10 months out of the year. There are two seasons currently right now the import season from mexico is the bulk of the season and that goes from right now what is uh er, um, late winter early spring and it will go through about the uh, early uh summer and then from there um where mango are very well known from thailand Um, They go from the summertime until early fall. So, yes, they're not going to be available year-round, but over time and as demand increases, we're going to see that fruit more prolific in your local produce departments.
2: I tell you, you should develop a huge, giant, like, nutcracker to get those things open. It was really (laughs) hard.
0: (laughs) Yes, uh, there's two ways you can do it. You can actually either squeeze it,
5: and it starts to kind of rip apart, kind of like a leathery skin. But the easiest
0: way to do it is to score it with a knife, like a steak knife, about a quarter inch all the way around into a circle, and then you can just like pop off or or like twist it, and it come. And actually, once you take off part of the skin there, the the fruit is very easy to get out of its shell. Very unique shell, um, you know. It's not like totally tomato shape. It's more like, uh, well, it is round, but it's almost like the shape of like a a persimmon. Um, Yes. It also has that calyx, that leaf that kind of grows over the top of the skin. Um, as it develops. So um, it's an interesting fruit. And like I said, it's only been around for about 10 years here in the United States. But anybody who's been on international trips in South America, Mexico, or especially in Southeast Asia, um, that mangosteen is very well known.
1: I worked with a man who said he had had it in uh, Thailand, and he was very familiar with it. And I uh, utilized the method you talked about, scoring it with a knife, and it just popped right open. And I will not argue with you that is one of the most delicious fruits I have ever tasted.
2: Definitely. There
1: you go. Let's talk about ugly fruit or unique fruit, Robert. Tell us about that.
0: Okay. Well, I spelled it U-G-L-I, or unique, U-N-I-Q. It's the same fruit. This is a crossing of a
2: tangerine and a grapefruit. I think it has more characteristics of a grapefruit because of
0: its larger size. It's called Uglier Knee fruit because that's what it looks like (laughs) on the outside. But don't judge a book by its cover. It has a greenish, yellowish, brownish skin that peels as easy as a tangerine, in fact, it almost falls apart as you peel it. Inside is the fruit. It segments just like a tangerine, but um, uh, grapefruit size. And it has the sweetness of the tangerine. It has some acid like a grapefruit. And these fruits are only grown in Jamaica. The season is typically... 10 months out of the year, so half of the year it will say ugly fruit, and the other half will say unique fruit because of the two main growers in Jamaica that grow that fruit.
1: Well, I think it's delicious. It is, I would agree with you, closer to a grapefruit, but it's it's not really like any other citrus, and the, the flesh itself is, has got a lovely orange color to it.
0: Yes, yes, and um, I kind of—it's kind of a, a little bit similar, but probably not as tart than that of a miniola. Now, a miniola is a orange tangerine and slight grapefruit mix. But in terms of the ugly fruit, it's a—it's a white grapefruit um, mixed uh, with a tangerine. But the flesh. An exterior is more yellow than the other colors, but you know, you will have green colorization and uh, brown colorization on the outside. But when you peel it open, it is um, really more similar to the um, yellow, uh, you know, the white flesh grapefruit than anything else.
1: So Robert, I'd like you to talk a little bit about the Miracle Berry Cubes, and then we have a story to tell you about them
0: okay well the miracle berry is an item that melissa's had uh tried introducing about 10 years ago into the marketplace it's an actual berry you can google it it looks like a little red berry uh like a holly berry a little bit bigger um and this particular fruit grows in a lot of um um seems to be found in a lot of third world countries like Africa, in the continents of Africa, in an area where grow- the growing season is very short. And um, there's a reason for that. Um, so, you know, obviously with the in, in, in most of the continents of Africa, there's um, a lot of areas that are very hot, um, especially from the summer to the fall. And then, of course... Then there's the monsoon season that gives very few uh, fruiting trees that actually have a chance to grow in such a, you know, unusual weather climate. This is also an area where you find these miracle berries growing. But, you know, typically in a lot of the desert areas of Africa, there are citrus trees, especially grapefruit. And the thing is, is that grapefruit has a season – um, and it's very short in Africa, so the miracle berry is used as a way to be able to to consume grapefruit even when it's green and hard on the outside. But these miracle berry cubes are they they um, they only we only sell them in the produce department. It is brand new in a package. It's almost like a what you would say like a a freeze dried uh fruit um so you you take one of these miracle berry cubes there's about a dozen of them in the bag almost a dozen and what it does is it neutralizes your palate your your taste buds and it makes something that once tastes sour it makes it taste sweet so i invite you to try this get some miracle berry cubes Enjoy one like a candy, but it's the the, um, actual enzyme is um, from that of a fruit called the miracle berry. And then just a minute after consuming the miracle berry, which tastes like, I would say, candy, go ahead and bite into a lemon. Go ahead and bite into a lime. Go ahead and bite into a grapefruit. Anything that makes you pucker... It is not going to taste sour. It's actually going to taste sweet.
1: Okay. It's just
0: one of those items you've got to try. <laughs> yes,
1: I, I, I agree, absolutely. Let me t- tell you about our experience. We uh, we tried them last Friday, and it was Kat's birthday. She's born on St. Patrick's Day. So we tried it with the little Miracle Berry Cube, and then we bit into a lemon, and it certainly was a lot sweeter. And we read the package that said... The effects last from 20 to 40 minutes. Well, two hours later, we were out to dinner and we took our first sips of wine and went, wow, this wine tastes really sweet. And it took about another hour for it to fade away.
0: Yes, it will uh, do different things to different palates. That's around the average 20, 40 minutes. Sometimes it lasts longer, but I'm sure it made a dry uh, glass of wine taste like, Almost like sugar wine, like right? a it did. dessert wine,
1: right? <laughs> it, did. it did. But what an experience. And I, I, along with you, I recommend to our listeners that they go out and uh, go to com and order some Miracle Berry Cubes. I think you'll be amazed.
0: Yes, it's definitely one of those bucket list items. You've got you've to gotta experience it to actually realize how unusual these fruits that are grown in third world countries are used um, as a way to be able to enjoy a fruit that has not ripened on the tree or make something that doesn't taste so sweet and and starchy that can taste absolutely sweet and dynamite like candy. So, uh, tasting is believing, I guess,
1: in that regard. I agreed. We have two items left on our plate. You sent us more than that, but this is uh, what we're going to cover today. Let's. Uh, we'll start with the yellow dragon fruit, and we'll wind up with the pink pineapple, which is a mind blower.
0: Okay. Um, the yellow dragon fruit. First of all, Melissa well, is the largest variety supplier of uh, tropical fruits in the United States. One of the most trendy, new, newer ones in the last fifteen years. When we when Melissa's first made dragon fruit available here in the United States. This is a fruit that is uh, extremely popular in Southeast Asia, kind of like the, the the mango seed. But they're also grown in Central and South America, where they're re- referred to as pataya. Uh, pataya means fruit of a cactus. Anyway, the dra- there's actually three different varieties of dragon fruit that are available to us in the United States, and each of them have a different sweetness level they have all a very similar texture to them and 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 also looking at them they look the same however the most common is the white flesh dragon fruit which is a pink dragon fruit with white flesh and little black seeds. then uh there's a there's a sweeter version i would say the white flesh version is very mild. Then there's a slightly sweeter variety called the red dragon fruit. It's pink on the outside, just like the white one, um, but the flesh on the interior is like a red magenta color. The only way you'll know the difference between those dragon fruit is reading the sticker of what the flesh color is. However, we're talking about yellow dragon fruit. The yellow dragon fruit are actually yellow on the outside. The flesh is white with the little black seeds, just like the other dragon fruits with the little black seeds. However, this yellow dragon fruit is terrible, I guess, which you would say in sweetness, levels, and enjoyment, just like the mango seed. It, too, is a white flesh fruit with little black seeds, in this case, like a berry, and wow, it is dynamite.
2: Absolutely packed with flavor. I love that dragon fruit. Now, uh, all your fruit, like the dragon fruit you say, comes from Southeast Asia or you know tropical area. As, um, I know there's a few growers in the US, probably not many because of the climate. Do you source anything um, from local or does it come from um, overseas?
0: Okay, well, currently the season um, is in Florida. It comes from Vietnam, it comes from Nicaragua, um, it comes from Guatemala. But there is actually a large domestic season. The domestic season will start up in just um, in the next month or so out of the state of Florida. Florida is one of two states that grow them. And then in the summertime, it is the California season. That is the original, where the original dragon fruit came from. When we first started growing them here in the United States, are actually grown in Southern California, in the area of Fallbrook and San Diego. The hillsides are covered with these binding cactuses, producing these um, awesome fruit, the pink-skinned uh, ones. However, the yellow dragon fruit, the one. Uh, that is the sweetest and the one I like the most, is actually
1: from the country of Ecuador. Wow. It is so delicious, so delicious. Yes, and, and Dragon Fruit has become so popular, you know,
0: popular as at the juice bars, at like frozen yogurt areas across the country, and also even at popular coffee shops to put them in like a drink, like a tea drink or whatnot. So the dragon fruit is available uh, in the last few years and now uh, 365 days out of the year because of the consumer demand for that.
1: Yeah, I'm a fan.
2: Me too, I love it.
1: Please please tell us about pink pineapple, Robert. I'm looking at it and there's no mistaking it's pink.
2: It is
0: pink. Uh, You couldn't tell that on the outside, but when you cut it open, the flesh is pink but there's something special about the pink pineapples i know most people are familiar with the gold pineapples delicious now how are they different well pink pineapples are a little bit pricey mainly because of the supply and demand the demand exceeds um, the supply that's available to them so they're a bit pricey right now At your local store, you'll find them for about in the $20 range there. Um, And it's going to be like that for a while. I remember when we helped introduce them um, with the auntie, who's the grower out of Costa Rica. Oh, you didn't know. Like commercially, all pineapple, the gold ones, and of course all these pink ones are from Costa Rica. That's been pretty much the standard for a very long time here in the United States there. But the pink pineapple they are one sweeter than the gold pineapples but the biggest difference is the acidity of the gold common pineapple that you eat has a lot of acid so it's a lot of acidity you know like tanginess however these pink pineapples um, are super sweet and low acid so for those who uh, don't enjoy uh, regular pineapple because it stings their gums. You might not have a problem enjoying the pink pineapple uh, the next time you make a fruit salad or a tropical drink. There, give it a try. They've been very, a uh, very much a novelty gift to give for birthdays and anniversaries, and then with special events, you know, like Mother's Day or Easter or Passover. You know, some special occasion, it seems to be a very novel item that people are into. If you Google it or search it on the, uh, on the social media um, out there, you'll find so much about what people are doing with it and how special this particular fruit is. Real,
1: really delicious, mm-hmm. and like you said, non-acidic, and uh, I highly recommend. Kat was a little bit hearted because they come without a crown, and she likes to grow the pineapples. <laughs>
0: oh yes and that is the reason why it doesn't come with the greenery the crown on top because at the grower level uh, the pink pineapple represents less than one percent of the pineapples that are growing so when they do harvest they cut off the crown to replant for the next generation which would be a couple years two or three years before it matures enough to produce another pineapple, and that's, that's another unique feature at your local stores, you're only going to find pink pineapple without the green tops.
1: Perfectly understood, Perfectly uh, makes perfect sense.
2: <coughs> I'm, I'm, go ahead, go oh, ahead. I'm sorry, I'm wondering too, by the pink, is it giving it uh, some beta carotene, you know, everybody says eat your colors, and um, this is definitely color. Do you know anything about that? it does have the
0: antioxidant qualities to it. It's also a lipopene, um, which is typically a fruit that has the colorization of red and pink. Um, Definitely, uh, uh, even though by USDA standards, uh, since they haven't made a new universal code uh, for the nutritional labels, um, you do play upon the antioxidant qualities that are in that particular color versus gold and yellow, which have another set of antioxidants that uh, the fruit allows. But really, it comes down to flavor.
2: Yeah, it does. Um, Robert, you're so knowledgeable on everything. How did you get started at Melissa's? What's your background?
0: Uh, Okay, well, thank you uh, for asking that. Um, Actually, I've been the spokesperson and director uh, of public relations for Melissa's for almost 26 years now. Um, when I finished college with my degree, my big business of science and marketing, I really uh, was really into wanting to be pursue a career in the food industry. And I, in my college where I graduated from, Cal State Long Beach, in the job tracker, um, which was at that time a newspaper that posts um, some local jobs, I came across an ad for uh, a job offering in marketing department uh, for a food company called World Variety Produce, ah. a.k.a. the brand name Melissa's Produce, and that's how it all became to be. I've been, uh, like I said, I've been speaking for the company for now 26 years. Um, I am a director now, and through that time, I've acquired a lot of knowledge. I started uh, our company's website, com. 20-some uh, years ago and our, our, all of our social media handles, which are at Melissa's Produce. And during that time, also created seven produce cookbooks with our chef team uh, at Melissa's as well because over time, being in the industry and being at that company for so long, for a company that produces and provides and distributes over 1,500 different produce items, you just acquire a lot of knowledge about
1: all the products and we've been privileged
0: so that's it in a nutshell
1: uh, we, we've been privileged enough to uh, have been in Melissa's kitchen a few times and uh, that it's amazing and uh, what what comes out of that kitchen is incredible the books are wonderful
0: well thank you guys yes um, our uh, we have a corporate uh, test kitchen and in our facility we're located in South Los Angeles it's our only facility. For all the United States, we actually distribute it in all 50 states in Canada. We import from about 40 different countries. When it's not available domestically, we source internationally. And when, you know, it's winter and cold here in the United States, we look below the equator to find the produce items that are in season and make them available here at your local store or even at food service at restaurants that we distribute to in as well. Uh, as best we can, and if possible, on a year-round basis.
1: Robert, quickly before we go, I wanted to touch on a couple of other items, the Ojai Pixies and the Baby Russet Potatoes, which are so cute.
0: Yes, oh my gosh, we couldn't talk right now. During the months of March, April, May, and early June, hands down one of the best-tasting fruits and one of my favorites are Ojai Pixie Tangerines. These are late-season tangerines. They actually just started up in uh, early March, and they'll go until early June. They are like what I say, like the perfect tangerine. They are grown in Ojai, California, uh, which is unique to all the other tangerines that are grown more in Central California there in the Fresno area. These are grown on the coast of Southern California, not too far from Ventura, about 15 miles in, where they where that... Ojai Valley um, is pretty much like 90% of the crop is Ojai Pixie Tangerines. These are the sweetest, the juiciest, the seedless, easy to peel, and just so delicious because they're a late season uh, variety that stay on the vine much longer because of the proximity of the Ojai Mountains, which are from east to west versus north and south. The sun is on these tangerines from morning into night and that is the secret to why these Ojai Pixie tangerines are so delicious.
2: They really are. Uh, I had gotten a bag uh, before and you had a great recipe on there. I think it was for scones and I saved the bag just so I could make it. I haven't made it yet, but I'm going to make it. I was waiting to get some more tangerines.
1: Melissa's.com has got hundreds, if not thousands of incredible recipes, right Robert?
0: Yes, on Pixie Tangerines, i say there's at least fifteen, maybe twenty different varieties, from desserts to drinks uh, and cooking, from side dishes using sauces and dressings. There's nothing you can't do with it. In fact, um, if you're ever in Ojai, California during the season, they in that town because it's like the the it's like the official fruit of Ojai, California many of the restaurants serve it but there is the hotel the, one of the famous ojai hotels in the downtown area you can get a pixie tangerine uh facial and massage ah. where they infuse it um, uh, in the whole process and you know everything in terms of decorations and and you know just driving through the small town of ojai california uh, you will really embrace what Ojai Pixies is all about.
1: Robert, we could go on for hours, but unfortunately we have another uh, call lined up. Um, can we do this again in another three to six months? Any season.
0: All sure, right. of course. Let's let's talk about all the exciting great varieties that are available to us in the summer months. That would be awesome.
1: We'll stay in touch. And thank you again so much, Robert, for being our guest on Cords, Vines, and Dines. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Chad and Tom. Thank you so much, Robert. Uh, It's always a joy. We're going to have to have you back for another interview. I think uh, he did say uh, every season he would be happy to come back. So we're uh, about ready to head into summer. So we'll bring him back as summertime draws near. And I think he said grapes and berries and all sorts of wonderful summer fruits that we'll talk about.
2: Ooh, my favorite.
1: Yep. So happy Mother's Day once again.
2: Thank you. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there.
1: And thank you for listening to Chords, Vines, and Dines. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Hi, this is Vince
5: Mendoza, and you are listening to Chords, Vines, and Dines.